Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Guys, I'm really, really, really thrilled that we are pressing into this series that we've called Thrive. And, uh, and it's just not, sur- just don't survive your relationships, but I believe God's purpose and his plan for you is to thrive in your relationships. And that's my passion for you. That's my heart for you. Uh, I, I want you to possess everything that God has for you. Part of our, our, our four core values is to know God, to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. But with the know God, there is always more of God to know. I hope you're aware of that. You're never going to come to the place where you go, you know what, God, I got it. You and me, same knowledge, same information. Okay, we're good. Never going to happen. Some people might think they are God's status, but we know they're really not, actually. But the reality is this, is that God wants us to thrive. And there there are things in our lives that God wants us to walk in his blessing and his favor in. And for many of our areas, relationships can be a bit of a struggle. And so we want to take some time over this series and talk about how do we thrive in our relationships because I believe that through the Word of God, through the love and grace of Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can all thrive and take a step forward and being healthier in our relationships. Are you guys in agreement with that? So we can become actually through the power of God functional in dysfunctional areas of our lives. We can come with the power of God healthy in unhealthy areas in our relationship. So today, I'm going to be talking about something that, that hits every single one of us. It, it has uh, concerned you at moments. It has hurt you. In the middle of this that we're talking about today, it has crippled you emotionally, mentally, giving you anxiety. It's kept you up at night. You have said things in the middle of what we're talking about today that you wish you could get back, but like w- words, once they leave your mouth, they are gone forever. We've been hurt in the middle of what we're talking about today. And what we're talking about is something that is real in all of our lives. And that is conflict in our relationships. It's just with a show of hands. Has anyone here ever had conflict in your relationships? Raise your hand. All right, good. You're all honest at least. That's good. And so I believe that God wants to give us some keys on how to find peace in the midst of conflict. Because the reality is this, conflict is a part of life. Conflict, there's conflict at work. We can just go through them. Conflict with their spouse. There's sexual conflict in marriage. There's conflict with your kids. Conflict with in-laws. Conflict with boyfriend or girlfriend. Conflict with church family. And why is it that we have conflict? Let me tell you why. Just in case you're not aware of that, we are all broken and in need of Jesus. That's why there's conflict. Because there's brokenness in all of our lives. There's habits we picked up from, from the past, from, from families, from our own life, from things that we've, that, that we've, bad decisions we've made in our life. There's brokenness and there's conflict. And I believe God wants to empower us to overcome conflict, to resolve conflict, and to find peace in the midst of conflict. And it's, it's essential. It's essential for your well-being. Because I bet if you were to think back at any time you had conflict... It ruined your day. 
It, it ruins you. you. Man, you could have woke up in the morning and thought, man, what a beautiful day. I had a cup of coffee. This best cup of coffee in the world. And went to work and all of a sudden conflict happened. And you're like, man, this day is horrible. Because it can, it, it can rob you of the joy in your life. And if we don't know how to resolve conflict, we can walk around carrying conflict in our hearts. And I promise you, it will leave you miserable. And God doesn't want you to live a miserable life. He purchased for you the joy and the peace that you can access, but he's given us biblical, biblical principles. And so you, here, here's what I do know. You can have money. You can have success. You can have looks. You can have talent. But if you're in conflict, if you're a wreck on the inside, um, you're, you are, if you're a wreck with your relationships, you are a wreck on the inside of your heart. If your relationships aren't good, if you're carrying conflict, and you don't know how to deal with it, it can derail your whole sense of well-being. This is just the reality of this. Because conflict drains the life from us. You can have all these things that we talked about, but if your relationships are a mess, here's the reality and the truth, you're a mess. And God has something better for us. And many of us, we, maybe we didn't receive the best methods of resolving conflict in families because we as families were just doing our best with what we had. But the point is, is that each one of us would be better at resolving conflict. We would be more successful in our relationships for the glory of God so that, as Scripture says, that the world would actually believe that Jesus is who he says he is because of the love and the unity that you and I can have together. That's what Scripture says. And so that's what we want to be. We want to be a testimony to the world because that we know how to resolve conflict. And so many of us, maybe you even grew up in a home where maybe conflict was one of your core values. We're conflict people, which is true sometimes. And so you got to deal with that in, in, this, in your journey with God. Or maybe you grew up in a home and you never dealt with anything. You never, you never confronted anything and everything was swept under the carpet and and everybody was left, left like uncertain and no one ever confronted anything that was ever going wrong. And we just acted like everything was okay. And maybe you, you lived in a household that everybody just, everything's great, everything is good, everything is, you know. And it's like you lived in la-la land where everyone dances all the time and sings. And, but on the inside, you're dying. This is where many of our homes are. Conflict is a part of everyday life and every relationship. Every relationship, God wants to give us some steps and principles on how to thrive in the midst of conflict. So if you're in conflict right now, then I'm so glad you came today. I believe God's going to help you. If you're not in conflict, don't worry. You will be at some point. <laughs> and God knows that conflict is a part of life. So much so that even in the book of Romans, he's telling them how to resolve conflict. When something happens... When, when someone uh, lashes out at you, someone um, disappoints you, or someone hurts you, and you have conflict, the Bible tells us how we're to handle it. And so Romans chapter 12 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I want you to notice that, that most, most relationships or breakdown of relationships, this says this. Everyone says, well, peace just depends on them. Well, you know what? There would be peace if it wasn't for her, it wasn't for him, it wasn't for them. There would be peace if it actually the scripture says, uh-uh, uh-uh, stop pointing your finger. If it's possible, as far as it depends on who? You. 
me. As far as it depends on me. In other words, do everything that I can to live at peace with everyone. And so I, I want us to step into this. But before we get to these principles, I want to look at some negative effects really quickly of living with conflict in your heart. Because there are negative impacts. If you think, you know, I don't need this, Jason. I'm totally fine. This is just who is my personality. But hang on a second. If you live with conflict in your heart, this, this is the truth. Number one, it can rob us of happiness. Now, I understand there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is dependent, is depend, depends on circumstances. Joy depends on the goodness of our Father. I understand that. Just like I said earlier, you can have a great day and then conflict happens to you, then boom, you got this low-grade pain at the pit of your stomach that you got to deal with all day long. Conflict with people. We contribute to, they contribute to, but the reality is it impacts us. It also not only just impacts our happiness, it can impact us spiritually as well. So if you live with conflict in your heart, unresolved things in your life, number two, look at this. It can hinder our communication with God. No, it can't, Jason. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no other person can keep me from, from my Jesus. You're right, but it can hinder your communication with him. I promise you it can. I give you my word. But it doesn't matter what I say. The Bible says that it can hinder you. And this is what's so important. That's why some people, they just, listen, I got it all together. And all all the relationships are are struggling and in tension. And and their relationships consider it's about gossip. And and there's a chip on their shoulder. No, no, it's just me, Jesus, and my Bible and and my prayer shawl. That's just me. The reality is this. It hinders your communication. With God. Over and over and over again in Scripture, the Bible says, when I have conflict with others, when, when there was sin in my life, when I'm walking in pride and I'm disharmony with people around me, it blocks my communication with God. Look at 1 Peter 3, 7. It says this, in the same way, you husbands, now this is speaking to marriage. You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. In other words, do yourself, do yourself a favor. Do your best to pursue unity. Treat her as you should, so your what? Prayers will not be hindered. In other words, if you are in disharmony with your wife, with with your kids, with people around you, you're not treating them as you should, and there's conflict, your prayers can be hindered. That's a big deal. Especially speaking to a marriage. I think if Peter was talking today, this is what he would say. He'd be like, hey, listen, fellas, happy wife, happy life. That's what he's saying. Number three, living with conflict in your heart, it can hinder our closeness with God. So this is a big deal. 1 John 4.20 says this, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God that we can't see? You say, you know, I just don't, I, you know, I just don't like people. Well, Okay. Something in your relationship with God is broken. And it can hinder our closeness with God. So God wants us to thrive. So how do we find peace in the midst of conflict that we learn from that scripture out of Romans 12? Number one is this. Do something about it. So if you're in conflict with someone, this is what the scripture says. Do something about it. You don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them and be a, be a peacemaker like we talked about last week. Be a peacemaker. The Bible says don't don't ignore conflict, don't deny conflict, don't push conflict under the carpet. Don't pretend that conflict doesn't exist in your life. 
I think really this, the scripture is probably saying this. Listen, what's the 500-pound gorilla in, in your living room that no one is talking about? What is it that no one's addressing? What are you pretending that is not a problem in your marriage? That's, that's a question for those, those who are married. What are, you, what are you pretending is not a problem in your marriage? Is it money, sex, trust, in-law problems, family, children, communications, value? Maybe it's a work schedule that, you, that's, that you're not dealing with. What are you pretending that's not a problem? The Bible encourages us to do something about it. To do, take a step and do something about it. Most think, you know what, I'll just let it go. Maybe it'll go away. Maybe with time it'll go away. Well, we know this, that actually with time, things don't go away. And a matter of fact, many times when you let them go, things get worse. Especially when conflict in our own hearts. We can, we can be angry, which can turn to resentment, which can turn to bitterness, which can ruin our lives. And, and the reality is this, when you're younger, you think, you know what, I, it doesn't matter. I don't have to deal with it. We'll just, I'll just cover it up. I'll just sweep it under. But what happens is when you get older, it starts to come back. Everything you stuffed, the beginning part of your life, begins to come out towards the end of your life. Unresolved conflict in your heart will rob you of your joy in your later years. And I'm telling you, it is true. It is 100% true. And I know all of us here, we, maybe we've, we've met folks who were, who were elderly in their 70s and 80s and 90s who turned into very bitter people because they never dealt with conflict 50 years earlier. And they missed out on God's joy and peace the last 50 years of their life because they never dealt with what happened 50 years ago. We don't want to be that way. God wants you to thrive. The Bible says we're to do something about it. Matter of fact, in Matthew 5, it's so clear. It says if, you have an off, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Notice it doesn't say you have something against them. But if your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift in front of the altar. Go first and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. God is concerned about your relationships. He wants you to, to live in joy and peace. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be healthy. And his desire, before you come and, and even be religious, no, 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 no. Go take care of your relationships. Deal with the things in your life. Be real about conflicts that you're, that you're dealing with. Then go and settle that. Then come back. And let's worship together. Now, we all know this. Is it's easier said than done. Because I can sit up here and say, I'll just go deal with your conflict. And all of you guys are thinking, oh, my gosh, Jesus, you have no idea what I'd have to deal with. And I understand that. All of us have a fear of conflict. Every single one of us, we have a fear of conflict. And that's, that's just the reality because, because, one, not only do we have a fear, but all of us have something between someone else that when we think about it, it, it just creates a lot of anxiety. But this, it's normal to have a lot of reservations about dealing with conflict in our lives. The fear of conflict goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And I talked about this, um, I believe, last week a little bit. But Adam and Eve, we know this. They blew into the garden. They had sinned. Their relationship with God was broken. Then, then it broke their relationship with each other. So first with God it was broken. Then with, with each other it was broken. Then they were hiding after they had sinned. 
And they don't want to get any closer to God because God, because they got to talk about what happened. God, we blew it. God, we, they knew it was going to be a confrontation. They knew there was going to be conflict. And Adam in Genesis chapter 3 was talking to God because God's like, listen, why are you hiding? And Adam said this, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. He was fearful because I was naked. So I hid. And what Adam was saying is, listen, I was, I was exposed. I was vulnerable. You could see everything about me, God. And so I hid from you because I didn't want to deal with this conflict. And I'll, I'll tell you this, from this moment, men, particularly men, have been hiding from God ever since. And then men and women have been hiding from each other ever since. The first thing that, that they did is cover it up. Why? Because there was conflict they wanted to cover. They want to sweep it under the carpet. Let's just pretend it's not here. The fear of conflict is really the fear of being exposed. It's the fear of the emotions that I'm going to feel. and It's, it's going to be real, though. It's the fear of being vulnerable. When I have fear of dealing my, my, with my emotions that I'm just not used to dealing with. And this fear creates issues in our relationships. It makes me distant. And this isn't just about marriage. This is about relationships across the board. Relationships across the board. When, when, you, when you go out and you travel, uh, travel the world, what's very interesting is when you ask people what they think about Americans, you know what they usually say? Well, they're all surfacey. And I was like, well, that's not true. And they were like, how are you doing today? I'm like, I'm doing great. And then I just walked on. Well, apparently, we're surfacy. We don't really, we don't really talk about what's really going on. And maybe this is a, a social thing we got to deal with in our own lives. But the reality is God wants us to be real and intimate and not be fearful. It's fear that keeps us from connecting at the deepest level that you actually desire to connect at. And most people have never had deep soul intimacy with another person. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about something deeper than I'm talking about soul-to-soul intimacy. And the reason why is because of fear. And so this is going to take courage, the first step of really doing something about the conflict in your life. Only courageous people resolve conflict. That's just the reality. And, and for the most manly thing you could ever do and the most womanly thing you could ever do is face an issue that you've been ignoring for a long time in your family, in your marriage, with your kids, with your boss, with your employees. Just have courage and face the fear. God's given us a promise because he wants us to thrive, my friends. He wants you to thrive. And even now, even now you're feeling a little overwhelmed because you already know in your mind who the individual or the person or whoever it is that you, there's a struggle there. You already know who it is. But I want, I want you to hear this from the Lord today. He wants you to thrive. He wants to do something through you. And 2 Timothy says this, For God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God will give you the strength to have to have a conversation with someone that maybe you need to. Many of us right now, we already know who it is we need to deal with, who it is we need to let go, who it is we need to forgive, who it is we need to have a conversation with. And this is the reality. You just say, God, I just need you to help me. I need you to fill me with your love. I need you to give me the courage that comes from your love. And you begin to pray about it. You begin to pray about it. I'm not saying you just rush out and you start doing it. Listen, don't use this as an opportunity to guilt someone, to shame someone, to put blame on someone. No, don't do that. 
Because a lot of people are offended over things that the other individual doesn't even know happened. I've had conversations, people have told me that before. Been adjacent, I'm really upset with you because you, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And I said, I didn't even know I didn't do those things. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. But they, they've, many people, they create a narrative in their own hearts that, that creates blame that they push on everybody else. Don't use this as an opportunity to do that. What I'm saying is this, talk to God before you talk to someone else. And talk to God before you have a conversation. Talk to God and say, Lord, I just ask you to give me the right heart. Another way of finding peace in the midst of conflict is number two, be honest about what you have done wrong. Everybody say, be honest. None of us want to be honest (laughs) with what we've done wrong. Matter of fact, most of the time in relationships, after all the information and and people that I know, the reality is this, we want someone else to be responsible for what I have done. That's what we want. Well, I acted this way because you acted that way. Well, I did this because you did that. That's not how you find peace in the midst of conflict. This is a biblical thing to do. It's biblical. To be honest about what you've done wrong. Even if it's a little thing, we should be honest. Before we have, ever have a conversation, it begins with a statement of humility. It starts with me. You don't start with condemning or accusing or blaming. You begin with a step of humility and you deal with your part. Because everyone wants to point out what everyone else has done wrong. And, and it's, 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 it's just it's crazy all over the internet, the amount of people that are, that are keyboard warriors and can just blast people. Just blast them. And they're full of pride and full of themselves. So why is it that we need to self-examine before we can ever resolve conflict with the relationships? Well, Matthew 7 says this. And I love, I, Jesus has got such a great sense of humor. I, I, I just... I really like him. I really do. He says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And immediately you get this picture of this plank like hanging out of somebody's head, you know. And how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye. How can you say that without first hitting him in the head with the plank that's hanging out of your eye? When all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about humility. He's talking about be humble. The lack of humility is the number one reason for, for divorce. I, I guarantee this is a true statement. The lack of humility is the number one reason that divorce happens. I, 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 please hear me today. The vows at your wedding are vows to choose to love the other person. It's a choice. Now, before, before you get married, you're examining the individual. Is this someone I want to, I want to do the rest of my life? Is this someone I want to raise my children? Is this someone that can lead my family? Is this someone who could, who could mother my children? Is this, like, these are the things you're thinking about. And that's when you're looking for all these character things in them. You should be looking for these. And, if, and after you come to that point, you're like, let's get married. And so you step up and you do marriage. Vows at, at weddings, you are choosing to love the other person. In stress, I choose to love you. In sickness, I choose to love you. In richer, it's going to be real easy to love you because we're rich. Or in poorer, though, in poorer, I choose to love you. In pain, I choose to love you. In loss, I choose to love you. 
and mental sickness, I choose to love you. Why? Because love is a choice. It's a choice. Feelings run out. But what gives a marriage its value is that I choose to love you. I choose to love you. You're demonstrating the love of, of God that chose to love you when you weren't worth loving. But he's like, I love you anyway. Even when you rejected his love, he says, I love you anyway. You can't run far enough or fast enough to get away from my love. You can go to the highest of heights or the lowest of low, and yet my love will still be there with you and for you. That's what God is saying. And so when you take vows, it says this, love is a choice. It's a choice. And it's, that's the choice that makes a marriage powerful. That's the choice that makes a marriage secure. You can walk through any times, and many times we blame the feeling of love for the breakdown. Well, I don't feel it any, anymore. I just don't feel it. Well, listen, you're not always going to feel it. And most of the time in healthy marriages, I'm just going to be real with you. It's about I choose to love you. Most of the time, healthy marriages or dysfunctional marriages, listen, the reality is we just need to grow up and we need to choose to love each other. Amen? That's what really the choice of love is about. More relationships and more marriages and more friendships die because of pride than anything else. From people who are unwilling to make a move. People who are un unwilling to humble themselves. People who say, you know what, just forget, uh-uh. This is my way or no way at all. I, I, I will choose to love you when you jump through these three hoops. You know what that's called? Manipulation. You know what that's called? Conditional love. Then That is not from God. If you feel stuck today in your relationship, you may feel hopeless today. You may feel like there's nothing that, that can change. I want you to know something. Something can change. This amazing thing that you begin to demonstrate humility in your life can begin to unlock relationships in your life. If you'll make the first move of humility, it allows peace, at least in your own heart. And you can begin to unstick things that are stuck. And you can begin to release relationships, release conversation that maybe you never had before. But somebody's has to do it. And let, let, let me just give you a statement that if you're in a, a stagnant or feels like hopeless or a trapped relationship, let me give you a statement. It's what you say. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. Will you forgive me? And if you mean that, it's a statement of humility and all of a sudden things begin to shift. If you will ask God to give you the ability, give you the grace, give you the power to say these things. And to step into this and to really mean this, the Bible says that, that you will unlock peace in your own heart. The Bible says this, before honor is humility. And everybody's worried about me, but what about me? What about mine? My needs and my, me, 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 and mine, 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 mine. Time out. Humility. Honor before honor is humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And if you will begin to apply humility in your relationships on both sides, man, God can do amazing things in your life, in your marriage. Number three, how do, you, how do you resolve or find peace in the midst of conflict? Number three, listen and consider what the other person is saying. This, this is just a normal conversation. You listen. Most of the time we're thinking of what we're going to say. But James says this, everyone should be quick to listen. James 1.9, everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak 
and slow to become angry. This should be our theme verse for every single one of us. And I put this on your fridge, stick it on your visor, put this on your little words that bounce around on your screen, on your computer. This one, right? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This verse, using, thinking of this verse in the midst of conflict, can, it, it can help you navigate the deepest and most difficult conflict. And all of a sudden, when you stop, and you think, hang on, I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to listen to what's going on. I'm going to listen to what they're saying. I'm going to listen to what's, what's behind everything that's, that's going on here. You're going to hear things that you never heard before. You're going to hear things that maybe someone's struggling with, someone is dealing with from the past, someone is dealing with from the experience of the past. And when you make this commitment not to talk, you're shifting your focus from me and my needs, your point, you winning the argument to their needs. And, you, and all of a sudden, things begin to shift. And this way you can understand them, and when it's done from both sides, your relationship will thrive. Again, it doesn't matter. It could be a friendship. It could be marriage. It could be a work relationship. It could be a church relationship. But this is very important. We don't look to our own needs first. Philippians 2.4 says this, don't look, to, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And this can be very difficult, but it can be very, very powerful. And this is difficult. It's difficult, but God is inviting us to thrive in our relationships, and it has to start somewhere. And you can begin to change the dynamic of all of your relationships just by taking an interest, listening for others' needs first. You guys with me today? Are you with me today? All right. How else are we able to find peace in the midst of conflict number four speak this is the, speak in the way that you want to be spoken to isn't that interesting would that be wouldn't that be powerful if we all followed this as believers speak in a way that you want to be spoken to when you're resolving conflict with someone we we, we don't come against them with just like crazy eyes and crazy words have you ever seen somebody with crazy eyes they're talking there you're like whoa crazy eyes look out <laughs> you think, you think oh, if your eyes look like that, I'm scared. We've all been there before. Sometimes we've had the crazy eyes. Been, I, listen, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm human. And sometimes um, Cheryl and I will get in a discussion and she'll be like, um, why are your eyes so big? I'll be like, they're not. What are you talking about? I mean, we, we can, our expression, but even our words that come out of our mouths. We can have reckless words that just, they come out. It's like, it's like a weapon, just, yeah, and it just cuts people down. And we're like, well, it's truth. Okay, just so you know, Scripture says it might be truth, but if you're not speaking in love, you've missed the whole point. You are never to use truth for selfish gain. Or to beat someone up with it. You're never to do that. And many people swing biblical principles and truths like swords to cut people, beat people, hurt people. And then they, they, they retreat behind, yeah, but it's the Bible. I've heard it said before, people like that, they have principles, but they don't have the biblical prince. Or you, or you hear this one. You know, people, those people, they know the Bible, but they don't know the spirit of the author of the Bible. So we're to watch what our words are. We're to speak to people the same way that we want to be spoken to. 
Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. But look at this, the tongue of the wise brings healing. And this is what we all want. All of us want healing in our relationships. All of us would say there's areas of my life, areas of my relationship with my friends or my marriage with my kids. Lord, I need some healing. And there's nothing, that's called humility. That's how we got saved. We humbled ourselves and said, I need you, God. And so just like all of us, these are areas God wants healing. And I promise you, God's desire is to bring you healing. This message is not for us to leave, man, my gosh, I should have stayed home today. You know, that's not the desire. The desire is that we would recognize that this helps us show us that we need healing, but also it offers us the power and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ that wants to heal you today. And his words spoken over you bring healing. Our words spoken over our relationships can bring healing as well. And the last one is this. How to find peace in the midst of conflict is number five. Pursue reconciliation, not agreement. And these are different. Reconciliation means that you are relationally pursuing forgiveness and peace. It resets the standard of your relationship. It doesn't mean you agree on everything. Reconciliation doesn't mean you, you, you come to, to exact same definition of a particular issue or a particular preference. Jesus never compromised truth, but he lived at peace with those who were around him. That, to, to be honest with you, the modern church most of the time would reject the people that Jesus kept peace with. Jesus fought, fought the most with the religious people. With those who thought they were better than everybody. Those who thought they would blame, they would condemn. They would try to get everybody to to fit in their little box. And Jesus was like, I'm not having this. I don't really like you guys very much. He was always popping their little religious bubbles. And he picked a fight with them all the time. But he kept peace with those. But he never, with those who, who were worldly, but he never compromised. But he always called them to a higher standard. And there's no one on this planet you're ever going to agree with. I promise you. You're never going to have 100% agreement. I promise you. Fact is, we're all different. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but men and women are actually different. You have different thoughts about things. You process differently. Ages are different. Personalities are different. You're never going to find anyone who agrees with you. So we need to give that up. We need to stop holding reconciliation at our arm length. I'll reconcile when you agree with me. And they're, they're doing this. Well, I'll reconcile with you when you agree with me. I mean, that's not going to work. Reconciliation is not about agreement. It's about making a choice that we're going to reconcile so that we can actually move forward from here. Please hear me, church. You can have a thriving, loving, good relationship without agreeing on everything. You can. You really can. Yes, there are essentials of the faith. So don't hear what I'm not saying. There are essentials of the faith. There are essentials of Scripture. But I, I, can, I can have a relationship with someone who doesn't agree. I can have a relationship. I can reconcile. I don't, I don't need, we, we don't need to be in conflict. But there are things that don't matter that we, that we, we put stakes in the ground and say, this matters to me. Okay, but does it matter? Really, this is about us making a decision as a church that we're going to be peacemakers. We're not going to be fence builders. We're going to be bridge builders. 
that help reconcile. God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, that's spiritually, but it's also relationally. All through Scripture, it's just all about be in unity, reconcile, do the hard work, do what it takes. And God's not doing it because he wants to torture you. He's doing it because he wants you to thrive in your relationships. He wants you to walk in the joy and the peace and the life he actually has for you. He wants you to step into this, this, the life that you truly, truly desire. He wants you to have that. And he gives us biblical principles that we can apply. We can begin to walk that out. And I believe this. I believe as you, if you, as you pursue reconciliation, you think, but Jason, I'm so broken. Well, take a number. We're all broken. But it's about making the determination that you want your relationships to thrive. You don't want to be the cage rattler in all of your relationships. You want to be the bridge builder. You don't want to be the one who, who always stirs the pot. You want to be the one who brings peace in difficult situations. You don't want to be the one that people always feel tension about and the one that always points everything out that's wrong. No, you want to be the one that can bring reconciliation, that can bring resolve so that you can talk about the things in a healthy manner that actually you can come to a resolve and come to a healthy conclusion. That's what you want to be. You want to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. That's why Jesus said this in Matthew. He said this. Read this with me. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I believe that the Lord wants all of us to take a step forward to say, you know what, God, I want to thrive in my relationships. I, listen, I wish this was a little like anointed wand on the head, this relationship, be healed, be blessed, boom, 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 yay, that we all can leave and eat cotton candy and it'd be great. But that's not the journey of a believer. We are to walk things out, and God gives us the grace. He doesn't condemn us for where we lack, because we all lack. He meets us in our lack and helps us to take a step forward, because he's conforming us into his image, that we are working, partnering with him. Where you are weak, he is strong. Where you lack, he feels where you are faithless, he is faithful. That's just our God. He's just looking for someone to say, God, I need you. And I think all of us in our relations, we need that. We need that in our lives. So I believe today that God wants to start us on a journey of healing, reconciliation, and unity in our lives. He wants you to, to thrive again in your heart. He wants you to, to have life again in your mind. He wants you to, to overcome conflict. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to, to choose to love again and to, and to step out of this, this world system that says that's about feelings and convenience. No, he wants you to say, come on, I'm going to be a man of God and I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to be a woman of God and I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love her. When I have feelings I, I, I don't want to love, I'm, it doesn't, it's just a feeling, but I'm going to love you. This is what God's looking for. A church that stands up on what's true and says, God, give me the grace to love. Give me the grace to serve. Give me the grace to be a peacemaker. God, help the world not, not know us because of what we're against. Help the world know us for what we're for. We're for thriving, loving, giving, emotional, healthy relationships. We're to serve people. We're to love people. We're to be light in the midst of darkness. That's what we're called to be. And Jesus has that for us today. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 
or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.